Welcome to Season 3 of Take Heart, where our goal is to offer encouragement, give hope and insight so you can flourish in your journey as a special needs mom. As we explore monthly themes, share inspiring stories and practical tips, our desire is for you to feel connected and encouraged. If you are encouraged today, we would love it if you would share our podcast with a friend. All of our resources, including an entire written transcript of this episode, is available on our website at TakeHeartSpecialMoms.com. There are also quick links to anything we mentioned in the show notes of this episode. Thank you for joining us today. Welcome to episode 100 of Take Heart. We are so glad you're here. If you are new to us, welcome. And if you've been with us a while, thank you for continuing to listen. We thought it would be fun to take you back to the beginning of how we met and how we started this podcast. We met in January of 2020. The three of us signed up for a Hope Writers Mastermind cohort. It's a group of about 25, 27 writers who would meet weekly on Zoom And this was pre-pandemic, so Zoom was not an everyday thing. And we also had some more intensive meetups three times a year that we were going to do for this year. So here we are. It's like February of 2020, and I am getting ready to go to San Diego for my first meeting. And I am definitely feeling like the new girl at school. I feel like I don't belong. Everybody's younger and smarter and better. And so I decided to reach out to Sarah. (laughs) I knew Sarah and Carrie were special needs moms. And Carrie, I think Toby was in the hospital or something, so I didn't reach out to you, but I reached out to Sarah because I <laughs> yeah, probably I was. was. Say, he's always in the hospital. Say, Toby's always in the hospital. I think it's a safe assumption. <laughs> so I called Sarah because I thought, I want one friend that I know before I get there. So I talked to her and I'll never forget that conversation. She was gracious enough, like not like she's mean, but she was like gracious enough to take my call. And what I remember about that conversation was she had made a comment about she felt guilty about something. I think it was, I may be putting words in your mouth, TJ's diagnosis. And I remember thinking, why does she feel guilty? That's dumb. Like, why would she? But then I thought, but I feel guilty too. And I think the thing that really struck me in that conversation is what common ground we had. Up until that point, that was very illuminating to me because up until that point, I thought, well, if you're not a rad mom or an FASD mom, and if your kids don't have what my kids have, then you cannot understand my life. But there was such a common ground between the two of us. Now, that being said, there's also so many things that I don't have to deal with that Carrie and Sarah have to deal with. For example, do not park where they need to park their vans. (laughs) If you want to see Carrie get really mad. (laughs) Like, I've never had to deal with that, but I've learned so much from that. And you guys have not had to deal with some of the things I've had to deal with. But we have learned so much from each other. So... We met out in San Diego and we got together for, I think it was hamburgers or something, some meal, and we just chatted it up and we decided we wanted to start a podcast. And I will rat Carrie out that she was not sure at first. We had to talk her into it. (laughs) I wasn't. (laughs) I was like, I just met these women. (laughs) And I'm going to be completely honest too. I was like, oh man, special needs again. I don't want to do anything with special needs. Like I didn't go into this thinking it was going to be something special needs. Right. So, exactly. yeah, I was like, man. 
this was my one shot to get away from disabilities and special needs. <laughs> and Amy's And you know what, in. Sarah? I remember thinking the same thing. I think that's why I was so hesitant. Because that night we went out to dinner, I remember thinking, but I want to relate to other moms who don't have kids with special needs. And Amy, I remember, I'm going to be totally honest here, and I don't think I've ever told you this. I remember talking to you. We went to both go get water. So it's a week before the world shuts down, right? We're standing in the hotel. We both went over to get water. And I remember feeling connected to you because we both homeschool. And when you told me you were a special needs mom, I had doubts at first. I really did. Because I was like, wait, like her kids don't have a physical, which I know you do have a son with physical disability. But, you know, but then after that night when the three of us talked and we were there forever. I remember finally, like, hey, guys, I think we probably should head back. It's really late thinking right. we do have so much in common. We have yes, so much common that's ground. true. And actually, it's funny you say that because I have rad moms say to me, I didn't realize I was a special need mom until I heard you talking about it. I want to I want to make a true confession yeah. about that meeting. Carrie, how tall are you? <laughs> I am five foot and half inch. I am 5'8", and I had heels on, and all I could think about was, I am towering over her right now. <laughs> so, anyway. I'm 5'3", and I felt tall, so I was all on board with doing whatever I needed to, because I was not the shortest one. Anyway, so, so anyway, we went, decided to have a podcast, and we talked a lot about how we wanted our experiences to relate to all special needs moms. So, whether you're A mom like me with kids with RAD or you're a Down syndrome mom or you have a medically complex child, we all have a common ground and we we often feel we all each one of us has unique voices. If you've listened long enough, you know that we're each unique in our voices. And so we decided to try this. And first of all, I'm going to say three middle aged moms trying to figure out a podcast. And if you have not listened to our first few episodes, just be gracious. (laughs) It might be a little janky. (laughs) But anyway, I feel like we're getting better. So one of the things that we wanted to talk about is we do have our core values of hope, joy, and connection, but we're also really committed to being honest about how we feel and and what we're going through and not sugarcoating it with a little happy ending on the end because we don't think that's authentic. So before I continue on about our podcast, I just want to say this. I want you listeners to know that we really think and pray for you and we really often ask what we think you need. So you are at forefront in our minds when we're making content. This is just a little call out that if you have a question or a topic you want us to talk about, please reach out because we really want to meet your needs. Well, and I think, you know, Carrie was talking about how she didn't realize that you were special needs. You've had friends that have said, I didn't realize that I was a special needs parent. My son wasn't disabled enough for a long time, even though he was considered disabled. I think we all have something to learn. Right. Even though we fit in this category, we don't fit into the category in the same way. And so just because we have a podcast doesn't mean we all have, we have it all figured out. And we're, I think the great thing about the three of us having it together is we're like, oh yeah, so we didn't know that. We can all figure it out together and, or at least at least fail together mm-hmm. <laughs> or, you know, or at least like cry together, try to figure it out together, try to empathize together. Right. I think that's the beauty of it. It's not, it's not that we haven't yeah. figured out. It's just, we're willing exactly. to fight it out. <laughs> yeah. And do life together. Right. Right. So it's yeah. interesting that 
I've learned a lot from you guys, but I could have seen like at the beginning going, oh, I may learn stuff that it won't apply to me because they have different mm-hmm. special needs. But that's not been the case at all, at all. Well, and I would like to note too, I don't, I'm not sure our listeners know this, but the three of us do not live in the mm-hmm. same state. We, we are not close in location to each other. So it's not like we're getting together, you know, every week for coffee, sharing our hearts and things like that. I mean, it's usually over Zoom and we, so there are different creative ways Mm -hmm. that you can find connection. It doesn't always have to be in a physical location. And to that point, we don't have a long history. No. No. We've known each other since 2020. So you don't have to have somebody that you've, you know, been friends with forever. You can, you can make new connections that can be really deep. And I know at least, at least once, all three of us have said to the other one, okay, I don't know if this is politically correct or not, but (laughs) I have a question for you because we don't know what the other one is going through. Each one of our children are so vastly different. And so we've asked questions where I'm like, I know that this is not at all politically correct. However, I'm just going to say it. And I think that's the beauty of connection too, because we know each other's hearts. And so, and I think that that's, that's another lovely part of us too, is when you do find that connection with each other, you can yeah. cut to the chase and really cut to the matter, the, the heart of the matter. Right. That's so true. Yeah. That's so true. Well, as you know, our podcast is called Take Heart. And I can't even remember the other titles we came up with, but this is the one that stuck, obviously. And one of the reasons it stuck was that we liked the verse in John sixteen thirty three. And before I read it, I just want to give you a little bit of background. It's Jesus talking to the disciples before he's crucified. This is his big old message to them. And it's a time of confusion and uh, for the disciples, misunderstanding, fear. They... Uh, didn't know what was coming. And honestly, I don't think they knew it was coming. They did not know it was coming when they signed up to follow Jesus. So Jesus tells them in John 16, 33, he says, I've told you all this so that in trusting me, you will be unshakable and assured, deeply at peace in this world. You will continue to experience difficulties, but take heart, I have conquered the world. So that is our key verse that started this and kind of wanted it to be our kind of our groundwork for how we approach this work. So when I read that today, I was reading the words unshakable. And I was thinking, really? Is that really possible? I know Jesus tells us it is. So that's my question. Can we be unshakable and assured in this world and deeply in peace? And what does that really mean and look like in our lives? And if you have any examples of when you felt that way, I'd love to know, or when you've struggled with it. So the first thing that comes to mind for me is... Just when you were talking about Jesus is talking to his disciples, they had no idea what was coming. And I think when we, you know, when we we get married or we become a mom, whatever order that is, and and then we become a special needs mom, we just have no idea what's coming. And it just made me think about Peter. And he is telling Jesus, I will die for you. And then not 24 hours later, he's denying him. And and they're hiding, right? All the disciples scatter. They're hiding. Well, after Jesus is dead and buried, and I'm sure that they did not feel 
unshakable. But we know that after that, after the resurrection of Jesus, Jesus, basically God built our, you know, the church, the body of Christ on Peter and, and the other disciples, apostles, I guess, at that point who go into the world and build his church. So I think one of the things, what that tells me is that we are just deeply dependent on God. And when we fall apart and we don't feel peace, it's mm-hmm. okay to go back and say, I'm deeply dependent on you for life, breath, peace. And there's going to be times when we're not unshakable. We're not deeply assured of his peace or that he's even in control. But I think it's just that continual working at our union with Christ. I've been listening to a podcast about that, about our union with Christ, our oneness with him. I, for me, I, I don't want to sound cynical, but I think as just as humans, I don't know if it's possible to be completely unshakable all the time mm-hmm. or to be completely at like a deep peace all the time. I think it's an ebb and flow. And I think that that's just how our finicky hearts are. I mean, because I am just God's greatest warrior one moment. And then I get a test result and all of a sudden I fall apart. I mean, it doesn't seem like it takes a lot for me to just break down and to be shaken. So I think whenever I think of unshakable, I think I'm only unshakable in the fact that God's unshakable. So I'm shakable, but I'm not as long as I let God hold me. Right. You know, like the earth shakes me. But if I let God hold me, I know I can't be shaken. And so that's where once I let him, <laughs> once I remove myself from his grasp is whenever I feel shaken, I think. is, And that's the only way that I can visualize that. And I think that's the only way to be deeply at peace. And I think that it's just something I have to, compl- I have to continually remind myself of. I wish, I wish I was one of those people that woke up and went to bed and every moment in between knew that everything happened for a reason, and that I didn't have to remind myself. I mean, I can know that, and I, I I know that with every fiber of my being, but somehow I have to be reminded of that a lot. <laughs> so I think I think what I think you're totally right, Sarah. And I think that what Carrie said is that Peter walked with Jesus for three years, and still, right, man, he was out the door. <laughs> so. I think that gives us encouragement to go, I'm not going to be this peaceful, serene person. I'm going to have moments where I'm hiding. I'm going to have moments when I'm running out the door. I'm going to have moments when I'm in the Thomas who's doubting, like, unless you to make this better, I'm not going to believe you kind of thing. We're all those. And they had the benefit of, I mean, they walked with Jesus. So I think that kind of takes us off the hook. Not not like an excuse, but we're human and we're real people and we're not perfect only God is. And so I think that just makes the disciples story just makes it more realistic for us here. Um, I think I used to look at a verse like that and want to take it and take the context of it and just make it work somehow, not seeing the bigger picture of where it fits in the story, which I think we do a lot of times like God says, 
I should have peace, then why am I so anxious? But I'm not seeing the big story and the trajectory of what the disciples did. So for any parent, anybody listening that says, I'm not peaceful, I'm anxious. So we just keep looking at fixing our eyes on this promise and asking God to help us in that. And I think that that's an important reason to consistently find those practices of, like for me, I, I fall out of a habit of doing a daily devotion, journaling, um, reflecting, asking God, what is going right in my life? What is going wrong? What can I do better? Because I'm thinking, okay, everything's going really well. And it's really, it's really easy to not set and reflect on what's going wrong when there's so much going right, or things are just moving right along. But I think for me, those practices help me stay on track with it. And when you, when you spend that time in the word and you spend that time with God, you find that it's easier to find that inner peace because you are keeping that connection. And so when you do feel shaken, it's easier to think, okay, I know that peace is there and I know how to get it. I just might have to work at it a little bit more. So let me go to the tools mm-hmm. that I have that can bring that back to me. Yeah. I would say too, that sometimes for me, being not at peace doesn't look like I'm anxious and running around. It is, I barrel down harder on getting my jobs done. I'm an overworker. And I, and I, it took yeah. me a while. Actually, just a few weeks ago, I said to my 27 year old daughter, and I'm just going to say here, if you don't have a doll chat, they're really wise and tell you things <laughs> that you sometimes don't want to hear. I said, I don't really think I'm that anxious of a person. And she just gave me this look like, hmm, that's interesting. You should say that. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, what do you mean? She said, you're not outwardly anxious, but your to do list is ridiculous. You don't rest. And that's anxiety. And I had, guess I had, hadn't thought of that as a picture of anxiety. I looked at that as I'm being responsible. And I think that uh, it's take, I'm just learning this now that my overdoing is not me being unshakable. That's me trying to do it on my own. This will be the, my uh, struggle my whole life, probably because I'm so wired that way. But just her comment made me stop yeah. and go, huh, I think that is not being at peace. So from the mouths of adult children. So let's talk a little bit about connection because that's really important to us. And it's difficult. And I'm going to be upfront and say I am 99% introvert. And it's the first thing to go. I don't think I need it a lot of times. I know in my head I need it in my heart. I don't always do that. But I think if we if we think about the word take heart means have courage. Connection helps us take heart. So I would just love to hear any words you guys have to say about that part of our uh, mission. So first of all, I mean, I think we've talked about it, like just our connection with Jesus is the most important, but we also need other people in our lives. And I was thinking about this. It was the episode this summer where Sarah interviewed Madeline Cheney, and she was talking about how she found community, and I think it was through Instagram. And then once she found it, when she knew that there were other people like her taking their kids to doctor's appointments and having behavior meltdowns in the store, that when she felt like she wasn't alone and she was able to share her story with other people and have people share her story with her, There's a lot of research about how when we share stories, there's actually like physical Mm -hmm. things that your brain does. And 
hormones that it releases when you share stories with one another and it bonds you to one another. But it was after that that she was able to kind of move outside of her circle and be able to relate better with family and friends who didn't necessarily understand or weren't necessarily walking in her shoes. And I just felt like that was so insightful. That was episode 93, if you didn't get a chance to listen to it. But one of the things that I think I have figured out is that our connection looks different based on where our kids are. And I can remember in the early days, my son is going to be 16 at the end of this year. And connection was, was, I, I needed it monthly. I needed it weekly. I needed to be able to call a friend or, or find somebody on social media or whatever it is that, that truly got it and understood what I was going through. And now that I'm a little bit of an older mom and I am realizing that the connection is still needed. It's still there, but it just looks a little bit different. But I do think, though, that the more connection that you can have, especially in the early parts of your journey and the hard parts of your journey, maybe I shouldn't say early, but just the really hard parts of your journey, I think it then gives you courage to be able to kind of expand your your group of connections to maybe people that don't completely get it, but they really understand pain because they've been through another type of suffering that they can really relate to. So I'm not sure if I'm making any sense, but it's just some of the thoughts that I had about the connection and the link with courage. Yeah. And I think, and along those lines, maybe a little different is for me, I have had to learn, and this is even with my oldest son who is neurotypical is, does not have any disabilities. I mean, he able-bodied. As he grew and his interest changed, he let go of one sport, did another, let go of one activity. You know, those his interest changed. So does his friendships. Well, so did my connections with parents on the sidelines or parents in, in whatever groups and dropping off and carpooling. And, and I think sometimes connection is having courage to pivot and having courage to even sometimes letting go of some connections that might be changing and learning how to grow with others. I think that we would all love to have connections with somebody who totally 100% gets us all the time. And I think we we all want that and we've talked about it before. We we all want that best friend. We all want that person who has the other part of the heart, you know, the those little BFF necklaces that you get when you're 12, that they have the other part of the heart. That just doesn't always happen. And I don't think that happens all the time, and especially as adults. And I think it's okay that they're not going to get every aspect of, of your life, and you're going to have different connections for different aspects of your life. And I think it's okay to find connections by trial and error as well. And like Amy, I'm introverted and that's really difficult and I overthink everything. So I will leave a conversation thinking, did I say that correctly? Did it come out right? Did I, did I offend them? Cause I, I, I tend to be blunt. I don't think things through. I don't have a filter all the time. And some, and I always worry that I said things too rough or I just didn't 
that I like, did I say that out loud? Because <laughs> I don't know if that actually came out loud. Or did I keep that in my head or not? So sometimes it's just easier for me not to say anything and just to be in the background. And I think when you're like that, it's just, that's not always easiest. So sometimes you have to put yourself out there. And sometimes taking courage and a connection is just being vulnerable enough to put yourself out there. And sometimes it's not being liked. Sometimes it's being misunderstood. And sometimes it's being like, okay, I'm not their cup of tea. And that's okay. And moving on and putting yourself out there again and again and again. And then it will pay off because you will find that person that gets you. And it might be on Zoom. It might be with that person that you didn't understand or you didn't expect, but it will be worth it. And it's just going to take some time. And it's not immediate. And I think that's what we want. We want that. Everybody wants that immediate, just just immediate gratification. You know, I think that's just our society and our nature. It's like, we're going to put ourselves out there and we want it right now, but it's going to take time. Every relationship does. So, but it's going to be different for everybody. So, I, I think that's a really good point, Sarah, because with social media, we just assume everybody's just invited to all the parties and going to all the fun girl weekends. And it does take time. And I can see a listener going, life's already really hard. I don't I don't want this to take time. And I always tell moms, you have to be the inviter. Because all my friends have said to me, well, I wanted to invite you, but I just assumed you wouldn't be able to do it because of the issues at your house. And so I've had to be brave enough to say, keep inviting me, even if I say no 30 times in a row, keep inviting me. I'm not avoiding you. Well, I might be, but <laughs> I might be. <laughs> but I guess my point is, if you're listening, you're going, I just don't have the space for this. Everything's hard already. I just want to encourage you with what we've said that we can't live without connection. God made us to be connected. And so just like you need to drink yeah. water and sleep and eat, you need connection. And so, yeah, I wish I could just, you know, snap our fingers and we have instant best friends, but that's not how it is. I, I reached out to Sarah. I was kind of nervous. I don't know why I was nervous, but I did. And now here we are. And that doesn't always happen, right? But I think we just have to tell ourselves. And it's all about expectations. Okay, this may not work. I may have to repeat myself. I may have to invite, but it's worth it to me. Because you don't want to go through life without people. So that's how you take heart there and have courage is keep reaching out and ask God to show you who to reach out to and who he can bring into your life. I think we focus so much on our children being fearfully and wonderfully made. We say that all the time, that our children, no matter what their abilities, no matter what their disabilities, no matter what their needs are, that our children are fearfully and wonderfully made. And I wholeheartedly believe that about every single person. That includes me. And that's the hardest person to understand. So even with my lack of filter, and even with, I'm like, okay, is the thought bubble out loud? Because Sometimes I'm worried that my thought bubble is out loud <laughs> and can, that's the hardest person to acknowledge that is fearfully and wonderfully made is our ourselves. And so applying what we say about our children and about other people to ourselves, I think is vital. And that takes courage that that takes courage to understand. Right. Good point. Yeah. And I think we can't discount praying. Mm-hmm. For God to send the right person to us and the right people to us, because there have been several instances throughout my life, college being one of them, where, you know, I'll never forget 
our president saying, don't assume just because you're in this Christian environment that you're going to have Christian friends who are going to encourage you and be, you know, as iron sharpens iron. You need to pray for them. And the interesting thing about that is 25 years later, one of my friends that I prayed for, her son and my Mm -hmm. son are roommates at the same college we went to. And that's not us. That's God working that out. And it doesn't always happen that way. I know not every story has a happy ending, but I, I do know that God, you know, God seeks to give good gifts to his children. And so we need to ask him for them. Yeah, that's good. I want to talk a little bit about joy and how we find joy in the midst of difficult season. Have you experienced seasons where you could not find joy? And I'm sure that all of us have, especially if we struggle with depression. And how did you, how did you find joy in those moments? I, I can talk about this one and I can talk about it in a literal season because I have seasonal depression Mm -hmm. and I have chronic depression. So I know in the fall I have depression. And so I had I, it took, I, I am more of the person where I'm like, I can do it with it myself and this is not a problem and I'm not a weak person. I'm not a flighty person. I don't need, I'm more of, and I'm going to tell my husband right now, I love you. So I just <laughs> wanted to say that because I know he's probably listening, but I'm like, I don't need a man. <laughs> and that has been my motto my entire 25 years of marriage plus. But I, and he's laughing and, and shaking his head yes right now, but so I didn't think that I would need, I don't need him to help me with my depression, but here's, here's the thing is I do, I need somebody. And so I, it took my, it took a, it took a team. It took my therapist to say, you need to tell your husband, here are the things that you can notice to help me. So there are certain things that I say, here are some things that I know are indicative of whenever I'm starting to go down to where I don't need to be. And here are some things that you can, you can gently say to me because the poor guy doesn't need to say things because I'm not quiet either. So he's not one to be like, Hey, you need to do this, this, and this, because that's not going to end well for him. And I know that, and I don't want to put him in that position. So there's just certain things that for me, I don't want to be a negative person. And I love to laugh. I love joy. I love that part of it. And it's, extremely difficult during that fall season when the seasons change and I'm having a hard time with it. So my husband will just gently come and say, Hey, do you want me to move your light box out? Like, or he will just move it out on the desk. So I know that I need to sit in front of my light box about 10 or 15 minutes. He won't say anything. He'll just gently move it out or he'll just say, Hey, can we move that light box out? I think it might help me. <laughs> like sometimes he just takes, he takes one for the team and he just settles set in front of the light box. Hope it helps me by default. But you know, and that's just one example. So I think those are some of the more practical sides of it. And then there are times too, where I just have to, I, I just, I, I just have to understand that it, this too will pass mm-hmm. that I just know now it and I I hate this because I know that there's people that are struggling with depression that it and you're in the midst of it. It's so hard to understand that there's going to be a light at the end of the tunnel. It is because it's like, I just don't understand how I'm going to get to the end of it. And it's, it's hard to, it's hard to describe if you don't, if you don't 
have depression or if you've never suffered through it. So I don't want to make light of it and just say, just have your husband set out your light box because that's not it. But there's, so I'm not trying to make light of it, but really pay attention to those things that help you ask other people, do some research, try to figure that out, talk to a therapist, know that if when the light, you know, when the seasons change, don't wait for the season to change, start upping your therapy a month before that. Start setting in front of your light box ahead of that. Start journaling ahead of that. Join a Bible study group. Start going to the coffee shop earlier, setting in front, you know, just doing something that you know is going to get you out of your routine that's going to put you in, in, in a different space. And those are the things that I do. And there are times where I'm like, I don't want to do this. I just know that that's what's best for me. And so those are some of the the things that I know on a practical side. And those all all of those things are byproducts for me of well that those all of those things will stimulate joy for me in the long run. But I need those things in that season. And that's just one example for me that is a season when it's just almost it's extremely difficult if not impossible to find joy that I have to I have to work for it. And so joy is not always just something. It's not whether or not I hate the, I shouldn't say hate. My mom's probably cringing. <laughs> don't say hate. We don't hate. So I, I seriously dislike the the phrase half full or half empty. There's just no such thing, in my opinion, of a glass half full or half empty. It's always refillable. Mm-hmm. So what are you going to do to refill your cup? And there are seasons when that cup is just really, really low. So what you just have to keep pouring into it, keep pouring into it. And that's going to take more work than other seasons. And it'll be, it's just worth it, but it's going to take more work, but the, the result will be worth it. And not only do I deserve that, and not only does my family deserve that, but God deserves that. And so it's like, I deserve to find that. And I deserve to work on that. But it's, it's hard. It is. What I, I like about what you said, Sarah, is, you know, you talked about body practices, and we've talked about this before, that I am really bad about listening to my body. And this is to be joyful. It's not just, I'm going to think it out. I'm going to be joyful, and it's going to be my thinking. Sometimes we need actual physical practices. Sometimes I just need to drink a glass of water <laughs> and stop what I'm doing and go outside. I, I think we ignore our bodies a lot. And our bodies matter because Jesus took on flesh. So our bodies matter too. and. I think there's a, I don't quite think I can articulate because I'm still working through this, but how my spirit and my body go together in a way that is helping me be more wholehearted about this kind of practice. I don't, like I said, I don't have answers yet, but I'm really exploring that because I think in the past, I would just think, well, just buck up and think happy thoughts and just be grateful, right? Sometimes I just need a glass of water because I haven't anything to drink all day. And that immediately makes me feel better or to stretch or fill in the blank. So I really like that you gave actual physical things that we could be doing. Well, and we live in, we live in a time right now where with, there's so many things, practical things that you can look up online and practice in that's going to help you with, if you're, if you're depression or if you're, ha- if you're struggling stems from trauma or if it, and I mean, let's be honest, as special needs moms and mothers with of children or caregivers of individuals with disabilities or a special needs or additional needs, 
we have continuous trauma. Mm-hmm. Amen. And that is a byproduct of that will be depression or difficult seasons, if not a continuous difficult season. And there will be triggers that happen continuously. And just because joy might be difficult to have does not mean that we're not joyful people. And I think that that's where it's like, well, man, she seems to be depressed. She must just be a depressed person. I'm not a depressed person. And of course, like I'm sitting here like, I'm a joyful person. (laughs) Dang it. (laughs) That's not. But I think sometimes, you know, like you said, it's just like, it's not just all rainbows and unicorns all the time. And it's, you you search for joy. Even Jesus wasn't joyful 100% of the time. He had a joyful heart and he knew that life was joy filled. But when he was in the temple turning tables over, that was not a joyful moment. And so there are times where you have to work towards the joy. And I think that that's where you have to put those practices in place. And it's it, what works for me is not going to work for somebody else. And you just, you have to do what you do. And, and I think too, both of you, it made me think about, so I was just listening to a podcast where John Eldridge was interviewed and he just came out with a book called resilience. And I ordered it right away after listening to this podcast was he was basically talking about we're in a stage right now, post mostly post COVID where we are not willing to acknowledge our losses. Everyone is running after the next trip. We've our airfare travel or airplane travel is the highest that it's ever been in history because everyone is just searching for that next vacation, something that we're, we're, we're working so hard to get the time back that we've lost. And I think as special needs moms, we can really identify with that because we lose time in the hospital. We lose time during the day dealing with our child's behavior, their medical care and everything. And one of the things that he talked about is that we have to stop hiding from our sadness and our grief. And if you've been around the podcast very long, you know that this is my platform and this is something that I shout from the rooftops. But he said something about how we're, we have to be willing to admit that our grief is not going to swallow us. That if we allow ourselves to feel the sadness and to name our losses, grief is not going to swallow us. In fact, he said, when we don't allow ourselves to feel the sorrow over our losses, that grief turns inward and causes more anxiety, more depression, more anger, more rage, more addiction. But when we actually lean into the grief and allow it to be our friend and to name our losses and what we've lost is when there's healing in our soul and release for that release of that sadness and that sorrow. And so I think for me, that's been one of the things that I've learned is that joy is a process and joy is a practice over time of learning to lean into the sorrow, lean into the sadness and allow God to heal those deep places of loss in in our lives. That's really good, Carrie. Thank you. 
Well, I want to wrap this up and once again say thank you to our listeners for hanging in there with us. It's the 100th episode. I feel like we should have like confetti or something going on. Yay! <laughs> Who would have known when I was towering over Carrie at the water hole? We <laughs> 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 would be doing this. But as we as we wrap up, once again, we're so grateful for you, our listeners. And please reach out to us with any questions or anything you'd like to hear us talk about. And I would like, Sarah, would you mind closing us out in prayer today? Sure. Father God, you are our heart and you are our courage. And we are so grateful for this journey that we are on, even as difficult and as challenging as it is. We know that you will bring whatever we need to us. And we know that we are in this together. And we just ask that that we can learn from each other and that we are courageous enough to, to take heart and to take that courage that we can help find each other and grow those connections with each other and that we can find and grow those connections that matter and that honor you and we are we are so grateful that you are the center of our joy and that we can work towards that and practice and 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 work for the joy that we know is there with you and we just ask that you continue to be with us and our listeners and just continue to just to fill our lives and those that we love and that are in our care with as much connection and hope and joy and that we know that you have and we ask all of these things in your name amen